0: the blast from our past network.
1: Does anybody live here? No, not since 1963 when it happened.
0: Every kid in Haddonfield thinks this place is haunted. They may be right. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and this week we are going to be covering the John Carpenter horror classic from 1978. Oh, great year. What a great year 78 was. That's your year. That's the year I was born. We're doing Halloween. Dean, how's it going?
1: Uh, It's going great. Um, When you texted me what we were doing, you just said, let's do Halloween. And when I searched it, I found three movies called Halloween. So I just watched them all. So it's good to know that we're doing the Carpenter one today.
0: Nice. Okay. Yeah, you're on, um, I I noticed on your social media, Dean, you're on a mission this Halloween season. You're going to watch every single horror movie that's ever been made sounds like
1: uh that's not quite the mission no the, not quite the mission it's close it's close i'm i'm trying to watch all of the movies from what i think are the big three serial killers so jaws all the halloween mo- what what no else? tim i've seen all those i want to do michael myers so halloween uh jason friday the 13th and uh, Freddy Krueger, so uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and these are franchises that I have only really seen uh, one to maybe two movies out of each of them, except for Nightmare on Elm Street. I've I've never seen any of those, and I'm a big horror fan, so I thought that it would be a good idea
0: to do this. Very nice, Dean. I would go one step further. I think it's a great idea to do that. Oh yeah, awesome! Thanks, I think man. a lot of people would agree with me. Definitely the listeners. Hey, listeners. Thanks for joining. Um, surprised that you came back after the terror of last week's episode. Actually, I'm surprised yeah, I, was... I came back. I wasn't going to. I was just going to call it quits. I was so scared last week.
1: I was finally in my element, so I've I was. I've just been waiting for this week.
0: Oh, I've been having nightmares all week. Good. And now we're doing Halloween? Whose idea was this? I,
1: I will say... I have been having nightmares ever since I've been watching all these Halloween movies. <laughs>
0: yeah, there's a lot of murder in these movies. Nice, nice. Don't you love October? <laughs> I Man. thought you were gonna say murder for some reason. No, no. no yeah, no. I do love October. <laughs> I like to save those sound bites for our Halloween episode. Hey, right. everybody, yeah. do you like our Halloween episodes? Because we got a new one coming out this Halloween. Those are my favorite. Just in case anyone's wondering, oh, yeah, those are my favorite to do. They are so much fun.
1: I love them. I love them because we do them in the dark.
0: Let's get to uh, Halloween, though.
1: Yes, let's do it.
0: So uh, you clearly have no background with this movie because you often have no background with any of the movies we do.
1: It's wrong, Tim. I have background with this one.
0: Oh, you do? Oh, this is exciting. Tell us about it.
1: Okay. The background I have is I I, like this. This can't just be about you
0: going out for Halloween because that's not the same thing. It has to be movie-related.
1: Okay. It's very close. It has a little bit of the movie-related. <laughs> um, as I've said many times, I did not watch horror movies when I was a teenager. So, um, But I started to get into it a little bit more uh, when I was getting into my early adulthood. And I think I was still like maybe 19 years old, maybe 20. And I was going to be going to a Halloween party at, friends, at a friend's house. And I just was ready early, so I just tossed on the TV. It was, it was Halloween, like it was that day. Tossed on the TV, and this movie, Halloween, starts playing. I know nothing about it. I know nothing about this. The, the most I knew about, like, these horror franchises is that Michael Myers is a killer in this franchise. That's all I knew. I throw it on, and this opening scene just became all I could talk about when I went to this party. It was, for me, it was the best opening scene to a movie I had ever seen. And after, I, that's all I could do because I was just a few minutes early to the party. So I clicked it off right after that opening scene. All I did was go to that party and tell everybody about how amazing this scene I saw was and that I have to watch Halloween. So then I did, after that, go home and watch the full movie.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's fun. What and were... it
1: still remains one of my favorite openings. Um it's hard to I love the opening to Alien, which is my favorite movie, so it's hard to say that it, that it's like I like it more than that, but it's definitely just one of my favorite openings to a movie ever.
0: Nice. Okay, well, I will give you a chance to elaborate further when we get to that part uh, in the Perfect. podcast. What were the people at the party thinking? Were they like, hey, this Dean guy won't shut up about Halloween? Probably or were they like, what's Halloween or were they like yeah, I'm so, I'm so into that opening as well.
1: No, they the people ha- at the party hadn't seen it either. so they yeah. were really into me describing it. They were they I made them want to watch it. They thought
0: it was pretty cool. Nice. Okay, so here's my background with uh, this movie and the franchise. I love horror movies. I always have. I watched horror movies from a very young age. I got I got desensitized really early to stuff because I watched it too young. I have never seen Halloween or a Halloween movie. What? In my life. I've never seen any of them. This is my first time seeing this movie. Really? Are you serious? I'm serious. serious. I'm serious. I don't even understand what happened, to be honest with you. I mean, I I don't I don't really know. I think, you know, sometimes you just have like a blind spot in some franchises. I don't know what happened. I think maybe like this was, uh, Older Brother was a big fan of this movie and this franchise. So I think maybe I decided I needed to like find a franchise of my own and I never watched this one. But even as a huge John Carpenter fan, I never watched this movie. So I came in completely fresh to this movie and oh my goodness, is it a, a work of art? I love it.
1: Yeah, cool. Michael Myers seems right up older brother's alley. That really, when you said that, I was just like, that really fits. I think he he probably loved this franchise.
0: Yeah, he was obsessed with this franchise. Um, it's so cool. was so cool to see this for the first time. Just like, re- yeah, that's awesome. very recently because like, just when this came out and knowing, like, obviously I knew about this movie and I knew the history of it and all that, and th- this was like essentially responsible for the slasher genre in film and like i know basically yeah i know psycho comes out you know in the 60s and and has that like um slasher kind of vibe to it uh and is very influential but i find psycho extremely boring i understand what it did for film i thought it was i thought it was very boring you're you're not psycho you're not yeah you're you're making faces at me right now Um, yeah, I think Halloween is a lot of fun. I was not bored at all in Halloween.
1: Yeah, it is a lot of fun. You're right. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. Psycho doesn't really have any fun to it. Um, Halloween is a lot of fun.
0: Um, it just, it created like all these horror slasher film tropes that we know and love. For sure. And,
1: and like, while Psycho was a sort of. Uh, this person has a knife and is killing people. Um, it didn't start like the franchise type thing. You know, Halloween starts the slasher and the slasher franchise, which is like the big thing now.
0: Yeah. And it started off. Or o- then. Yeah. And it started off all these tropes of like the sexually promiscuous teens. You know, they're the targets. Yeah. Um, seeing from the killer's perspective is another one. Uh, theme music for the killer. This Mm -hmm. introduces that. And while uh, Halloween did have like the final girl trope where the final girl kind of survives, I I will give that one to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which came out uh, four years prior to this one. They did that first. But it's all these different tropes that were just continued on through the horror genre because of this movie. Yeah. And I didn't see it. I had never seen it before.
1: Th- it, that seems wild because, like, I I haven't seen any of the others, but I had definitely seen this movie. Like, this, this was a big movie. I'm very shocked that you haven't seen it. Um, it also started, like, basically Home Invasion. Home invasion killing. So, like, that's just another thing that's so big in... And, like, I love movies like that. I find them so intense. I find them the most scary. Those are kind of the ones that get me the most is when someone's coming into someone's home because that's what I can sort of relate to. That's what I'm sitting on my couch and I'm actually looking behind my shoulder. If I'm turning my shoulder, like, turning to look behind myself while I'm watching a movie, it is doing a fantastic job.
0: Definitely, yeah. Uh, I just want everyone to know that I'm offended by myself for not (laughs) having seen this movie yet. I just want to clear the air there. I'm offended that I've never seen this before, and I apologize. I owe everyone an apology. I'm sorry. Now, released in 1978 with a budget of $300,000, taking new top spot for lowest budget of a movie that we've covered, this movie grosses $70 million. Yeah, dude. Holy shit. Hell yeah. Wow. Surprised, but then not surprised, but then surprised.
1: I'm surprised the budget's so low. That's what I'm surprised at.
0: Well, Carpenter knows how to, you know, work a For budget. Sure. Carpenter and Cameron. Yeah, those two dudes know how to stretch the money. It's, it's really cool. So obviously, uh, I've alluded to it already. It's directed by John Carpenter who's also known as the man. And yes, he is known as the man. He's also known as one of the best movie directors of all time. He's also known as one of my personal favorite directors of all time. Mm -hmm. He's also known as Johnny C.
1: Yeah. Also
0: known as Carpy, the carp, the carpenter, uh, Johnny hammer. I think some people call him.
1: Yeah. Johnny hammer. Uh, JC Director. Yeah. Um,
0: I'm sure there's others. M- yeah. Music by John Carpenter. I mean, dude, this is so one good, of man. the most iconic scores in any movie. I think this movie might even be more popular for the score than the movie itself.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I actually did know the music well before I had watched the movie. I had yeah, me too. a... I had a CD that had, like, Halloween music on it, and one of the songs was just the theme from this movie. And you know what it is. Yeah, we know it is. We love it. It is actually so, so good. I... Oh, I get so pumped when it starts playing Um, in any one of these movies. Like I've just been going through the franchise now and just like watching a bunch of them and it it comes up in like every movie. Yeah. Um, I've been watching so much Halloween and listening to this music so much that today when I did my final rewatch before the podcast, uh, my wife made me wear headphones because she didn't want to hear it (laughs) anymore (laughs) because she's hearing it in her dreams. She's like, I'm not even having nightmares. I'm just hearing the music in my dreams. (laughs) Nice. 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 Which is perfect for me. I, I I would love to hear the music in my dreams. Mm. Yeah,
0: you get good you get good sound out of headphones too, so no problem there.
1: Uh yeah, I actually picked up on some things that I didn't know before because of the headphones. Mm. Um, I, I just oh about the music, I wanted to say I read today uh, that Kobe, the great great player himself, would listen to this theme before games. Weird, that's weird. Yeah, to
0: get in the zone, it is very weird. Yeah, screenplay. By, now wait for it, John Carpenter. What? Yeah, he did that as well. And Deborah Hill, a joint effort. But uh, Johnny C. did a whole lot of stuff on this movie. Cinematography, though, not done by Johnny C. Done by an old friend of ours. Old friend. He's been with us for so long. Our friend Dean Cundy. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Escape from New York. Ring a bell. The Thing. Big Trouble in Little China. Back to the Future Trilogy. Jurassic Park. This guy. This is a... This guy's a talking back... This guy's talking back royalty. H- him, for sure. Yeah. Alan yeah. Silvestri, for yeah. sure. Maybe just those two right now.
1: Yeah. Doesn't Dean Cundy put in our one of our favorite performances in Jurassic Park?
0: He puts in a a, a small performance, Boat Guy. Boat Guy. Yeah, he's Boat Guy on the phone. (laughs) Yeah, it's fantastic. Now, in 1969, Carpenter, as a film student at USC, creates an eight-minute short film titled Captain Voyeur. The synopsis was a bored computer worker becomes fixated on a woman at work and follows her back to her home. Now, while this was not the catalyst for the movie Halloween, there were striking similarities between the two. So I always love that. I always love when these directors do a student film, and then they end up turning that film kind of into like a major franchise film.
1: Yeah. Or when they just have, like, some idea. They're even just, like, doodling in class and they come up with some idea. And then that becomes one of their movies down the road. It's it's awesome. I love those stories.
0: Something that drives them. Like, something just, like, sparks a little fire inside of them. And they just have to go with it. I love it. Yeah. Now, after seeing Carpenter's movie Assault on Precinct 13, indie film producer Erwin Yablans seeks out Carpenter, to direct a film about a psychotic killer stalking babysitters. While the concept was Yablan's idea, Carpenter agreed to the idea, as long as he was given full control creatively. Carpenter and his girlfriend at the time, Deborah Hill, Ah. begin writing a story titled The Babysitter Murders. Yablan suggests setting the movie on Halloween night and naming it Halloween and Carpenter agrees. But for Carpenter, Halloween night was never the theme of this movie. His theme was of that one old haunted house that everyone had in their neighborhood. Oh, okay. Carpenter is paid $10,000 to write, direct and score the film but secured 10% of the film's profits as well. So he came out okay.
1: Yeah, nice. Ha- and like Halloween, just one of the best names.
0: One of the best names of all time. I mean, it's a pretty good name for a movie. Anytime you can like associate yourself with something major like that, like anything, Like if your movie's called Christmas Day, I think yeah. people are just going because of that name.
1: Totally. And they're going to re-watch it over, and if it's good, right. they're going to re-watch it over and over again on Halloween. This is, so many people re-watch this thing. Even though there's new slasher movies, and there's new movies that come out that they can watch every Halloween they're watching it. They're going to theaters still and watching it if theaters are playing it on Halloween. Like, this thing just gets the people watching it.
0: Yeah, this was a cash cow, that's for sure. Yeah. So the movie starts off... With that iconic music that we talked about and a jack-o'-lantern. That's perfect. It's perfect. We slowly zoom into the eye of the jack-o'-lantern and right into the soul of John Carpenter. Yeah, totally, man. We are in there. I love that part. It's It's Halloween night, 1963. We're zooming in on a house. Now, Dean, this is, in case you haven't noticed, we're talking about the intro of the movie here that you love so much. So... Stop me if you want to interject with your opinion.
1: Okay, I'll let you do your thing, and then I'll uh, then I'll talk after.
0: Sounds good. We're zooming in on a house. We're being shown everything through someone else's perspective. And of course, there's a couple teenagers making out. The girl is worried about someone named Michael hearing them. The person watching from outside enters and grabs a knife from the kitchen. Meanwhile, the boyfriend who's upstairs with the girl. He comes down and leaves and the killer goes up the stairs, puts on a mask. And now we're seeing out of the mask vision, which I thought was really, really great for the mood and atmosphere. The killer finds a mostly naked girl combing her hair. She screams out his name, Michael, and he stabs her repeatedly. Then he exits through the front door. He walks over to his parents who are arriving home. They call his name. They go over to him. His mask is taken off. And we see that Michael is nothing more than a six year old boy in a clown costume holding a very bloody knife. And his expression is of someone who doesn't even know what they've just done.
1: Holy shit, Tim. It's a little kid. It's a little kid. Blew my mind. So why I love this opening so much. Or you want to keep going?
0: Um, I will just say one more thing, and then I'll let you have at it. I would just say... I was jumping the gun there. No, no, you weren't. That's fine. But since you gave me the chance, I will just say one quick thing. Obviously, amazing intro. This easily could have been the twist ending to a movie. You could have a murderer killing people the whole time, and then reveal to us at the end that it's a kid. And they give that to us in the very first scene. That's what they hit us with. That's why I think this opening scene was killer.
1: Ooh, good one. That's actually a really good point with the twist because uh, when I watched this, um, yeah, I think I was probably, it was in the early 2000s, so we had gone through already sort of sixth sense. And after that happened, everybody was just like, all right, we're twisting at the end of movies. That's what we do. And and there was just so many movies that came out there where they just do this twist at the end. And so it became like, how am I gonna guess the end of this movie? You know, as the movie's going on, you're just distracted of what you're gonna guess the ending is. I throw this thing on, I can tell it's the beginning, like the credits were rolling at the beginning. I know it's the beginning. I'm not thinking there's any sort of twist. I just think I'm watching something, right? And so we're POV and already I just like get really into movies that are like that. I love it. I love single shots when we're walking with somebody. Um, they're not distracting to me at all. I just really feel like I'm in it. So we get this POV walking through this house. I'm just on like the edge of my seat just watching all of this unfold and everything happen. I'm like, why is this person killing this, this woman? What's going on? And then as soon as they flip the camera, it's the first time where we haven't been POV and they flip it and we're looking at a six-year-old kid. Like, my mind was just blown. That's why I had to just go to this party and tell everybody about it. And it was always just like, and the kid, it was just a six-year-old kid. Like, I was always losing my mind when I got to that part. Um, yeah, it just remains just one of my favorite openings uh, to any movie. And, and watching it, I've wa- I watched it two times for prepping for this podcast actually three times because i watched it like a couple weeks ago too so i watched it three times prepping for this podcast and every time i just get so excited with that opening
0: it is so good it's it's brilliant and it's shot tremendously tremendously definitely yeah when he puts the mask on and we see out of the mask view i'm just like wow that's that was really effective on me just having that little mask put on Everything's like um, uh, distorted after that. Totally, you, you can yeah, barely totally. we can barely see as the viewer. Where before everything was very clear, now we're now everything's distorted.
1: Honestly, it's almost like covering your eyes. You know, it's like covering mm-hmm. your eyes through because your, you're scared, but you still want to peek through and see. And that's kind of what it felt like. Like we weren't even really allowed to look right at it, but it, we knew what was going on. Um, yeah, I, I really love that mask part, and also then we get to hear his breathing because he has the mask on and we all of a sudden just hear this breathing inside the mask, which is going to be something that's going to become so big for the rest of the movie.
0: So fast forward to October 30th, 1978, which is 15 years later, Donald Pleasance is Dr. Sam Loomis. And he's on his way to see Michael in the state hospital. He gets there and it is absolutely terrifying. Terrifying. Patients have escaped the hospital and are walking around in the dark in their white gowns. This was scary. I was scared. Yep.
1: This is such a good um, next scene. Like, this is such a good cut from that opening to this scene where it's just like, right away. It's it's dark. It's raining, I think. Um, and all of a sudden, there's just people wandering the field. And right away, um, that nurse that's with them says like, Are they supposed to be out? And, you know, Donald Pleasance is just like, no. (laughs) And so right away, you know, this is not what's supposed to
0: be happening. Mm -hmm. One of the patients attacks their car and is able to break in and steal it. And that was apparently Michael, or as Donald likes to call him, the evil. The evil.
1: The evil is gone.
0: We cut to a town... Called Haddonfield, and it's Halloween. Now, Dean co-writer Deborah Hill is actually from Haddonfield. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, she's from cool, Haddonfield, cool. New Jersey, I believe. This was set in Haddonfield, Illinois, but I think you, I think you know where it came from. Yeah, right. We meet Jamie Lee Curtis, who's playing Lori Strode. Her dad is a real estate agent and is going to sell the old Myers house. Lori has to drop off the key in the Myers mailbox, and we see that someone is inside. Yeah, man. That person comes out to watch Lori walk away, and we hear more of his deep breathing.
1: Yes, we hear exactly. We hear his deep breathing.
0: It sounded like this. Right? I
1: don't think it sounded exactly like, no, Tim, I don't think it sounded like, that. that's a different, that's a different, uh, uh imposing figure. <laughs> okay. My bad. Yeah. Also the evil though, same goes by the same name.
0: Lori is then in class and she looks out the window and she sees a masked man standing behind a station wagon, watching her. She looks at him twice and then she looks a third time and he's gone. Yeah. This part rules. Okay, go ahead. I've got a thought about it, but I'll let you go first.
1: Okay. It rules because she's in the back of the classroom. I just love how it's shot, and I love how it sort of progresses through this little moment. She's in the back of the classroom, in the back seat. She's just kind of daydreaming, kind of taking notes, kind of not paying attention. She looks outside, and you can kind of just barely see make him out. Like, he has a mask on, but you can't really tell. He's standing behind a car and a little off in the distance. She looks again to try to just, like, really see if she knows what's going on and if the, if that if she can tell if that person is looking at her or what that person's looking at it's just very um it, it's just very mysterious what's happening off in the distance and then she gets asked a question by the teacher and she immediately knows the answer so i just i love the scene she's not just like she's smart she's a smart kid and and they show it to us they they show that to us right here by her sort of daydreaming but still being able to answer this question
0: yes Now I don't see this here and gone technique uh, much anymore in movies, but when I was younger it would always make me feel like the situation could somehow be supernatural in nature. And that's what I liked about this um, because it doesn't make sense that Michael would just disappear like that. Not showing us him driving away, cutting back and showing that he's gone, it uh, it makes us feel like possibly something greater or something different is going on. Like maybe he has powers. Yeah. Or maybe this is this is all in Lori's head. Like maybe she's seeing mm-hmm. things. So I love the technique for that reason. Like it it um opens up possibilities in my head.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I I love it too, and I love it even more when it comes up in a little bit here.
0: Now, Michael is wearing his white mask, and he heads over to the school to check out young Tommy. He follows young Tommy for a bit, and then we see Dr. Loomis on a highway payphone, and he's warning someone that Michael is coming. And Loomis doesn't see in the tall grass, but we're shown there's another victim of Michael's. So right, we've, yeah. We're, we already see that he's, you know, he's killed again
1: yeah and his victim is naked i believe like we only see the top part of him um but he doesn't have a shirt on
0: okay do you care to elaborate on
1: that well michael stole his jumpsuit that's how michael got his new clothes
0: okay because he was like a gas station attendant
1: is that uh yeah i think or he was like or he was like he was like a mechanic or something yeah um yeah so he stole his jumpsuit that's how he got out of the hospital gown yeah um What I really like, and I kind of got in the first uh, look at Loomis, but I'm getting it more even now, is that this man is just completely obsessed with this one patient. Like, it's almost like he he talks like, like this kid ruined him. Like just for 15 years, I haven't been able to figure this kid out. He hasn't spoken a word, and he's just kind of obsessed with him. And I, I love that in his character. And I think that I think that he is a, a massive part to this movie, um, and a massively enjoyable part to this movie because of the way
0: he's playing this with this intensity. Completely agree. I mean, I yeah. absolutely love Donald Pleasance. I think he is oh, incredible yeah. in this movie. For me what I get out of his character is that he's terrified all the time. If I yeah. had to relate this to something else, I would relate this to Ellen Ripley being terrified of the alien creatures. And the only yeah. way that she's going to conquer her nightmares is to go and like eliminate them herself. And that is his mission. Exactly. He, he can't sleep good. He, he's not going to have another good night's sleep until he does away with Michael Myers because he knows what this person is capable of or person maybe not a person spoiler alert but yeah i love i love that about his character
1: yeah amazing
0: love it now michael again drives past Lori in his station wagon and at this point this is where i realized dean that if i had seen this movie as a kid it would have completely scared the shit out of me and For sure, man. You talked a little bit about it before. It's because you have this nice suburban community that they've showed us. We've seen the, the school a couple of times. Uh, we see kids playing. The streets are very nice. There's nice trees. Seems like a really nice normal community, like something that we grew up in. But now you yeah. have the thing that people are most scared of. In their nice close knit community, and that's a stranger or a kidnapper, or in this case, a psychopathic murderer. Yeah. That kind of like, you know, distracts from the pleasant community feel that you have. Now, when I was younger, we always had to be aware. This is like back in like grade one and grade two when I was very, very young, but I remember it. We always had to be on the watch out for a black van with no windows. Mm. And if you see that van, you call the police. And I had to report it one or two times. And I don't don't remember what even was up with that van. I think it may have, like, approached a kid and tried to get the kid to come into the van. Right. But I remember seeing it and shitting my pants. And me and my buddy just running, like, running away. Yeah. If I had seen this movie, you know, around that time... This really would have resonated in a terrible way for me, and uh, I think it's best that I waited till now to watch it. I think that's probably true, Tim. Um, that's that's what makes
1: it so terrifying is that it is in the, set in a place where you're supposed to feel very safe. Like that's the whole point of living in a community like that is it feels very safe. You know, you if you don't live in a big city, you don't have so many people around you it feels it feels when we like are are in this i don't know how big the the town is but it feels like when we're in this town that it it's safe and people know each other and you know you're going a couple blocks down and babys- everyone's sort of babysitting everyone else's kids and they kind of know who who everyone is around their community um yeah it just it it injects this terror into your safe space and it's very scary like i said before at the beginning of the episode it's just like kind of the one thing that really scares me is this type of thing
0: yeah i think this is what scares a lot of people like i think it beca- yeah because it's real right like if if you um if you're going to be scared by dracula and you're going to be sp- scared by the wolf man you're going to be scared by stuff like that um it is a little bit easier to get past because you can tell yourself those are not real things but you cannot right. tell yourself that like kidnappers and you know people like that coming into your community are fake because they're not so it's just that that terror you can't get past
1: totally and even stuff like um texas chainsaw massacre or friday the 13th it's like well i'm not in the middle of nowhere broken down you know on a broken down trail right now or i'm not at summer camp right now you know it's like i can feel safe because those things happen over there Um, but this one's like He's coming to your home. He's coming to your home. He moves incredibly slowly, but is also everywhere somehow. If you watch him move, it's slow, but also he must be extremely fast.
0: And he can disappear.
1: He can disappear. He can disappear.
0: Now, we get this very iconic shot in the movie here of Laurie walking down the sidewalk, and we see Michael standing on the sidewalk, and then he disappears behind the bushes. Shortly after that, Lori sees him standing in some laundry that's air drying in the yard. And again, he immediately disappears. So they are continuing to play on this idea of whether or not Michael is real or something else, supernatural or in Lori's imagination.
1: Yes, and this is the part I love, is the part by the laundry, because when he was by the school, she looked away for a second and looked back and he was gone. The laundry part, he is there, we as the camera look at Lori and then look back and he's gone. She's still looking at him. She's still looking at that same spot. So what did she see? How did she see him go away? Did he just disappear? Did he run behind a bush? That's what I find so interesting is that we see him, then we get a shot of Laurie looking at him, then we go back and he's gone. What happened?
0: hmm Now, Loomis is at a graveyard. He's looking for the grave of Judith Myers, the sister that Michael murdered.
1: Mm-hmm. He thinks that Michael might visit.
0: He's right about that. He finds the grave and it's empty. Oh, shit.
1: Well... The headstone's gone. the The grave was the
0: grave isn't empty. Wasn't the grave dug up? There was an empty grave there. No,
1: just I think just the headstone
0: was taken. The, there was an empty grave. Really? Yeah. M- maybe that okay. w- maybe that wasn't her grave. I think I'll tell you what, pa- pal, Paleo, Paleo, bro. I'm not sure why I just said that, <laughs> Paleo, bro. <laughs> I'll tell you what i think he stole the headstone and i think he stole the body
1: yeah well that that does make sense um i just i don't really remember the open grave that's all i just
0: Uh, so it just maybe
1: it might just maybe be the way i was looking at the scene i just might not have understood what i saw i saw a hole in the ground and i thought that that was just the headstone but that could have been the whole grave i just maybe missaw it
0: I think that's a pretty big hole for a headstone.
1: Okay, I think the my perspective was off because it was just a shot of the ground. So I think I was just off a bit.
0: I didn't notice the headstone gone. What I noticed was that there was like an open hole in the ground and I thought that the right. body had been dug up, but... I'll tell you
1: what, Tim, one of our perspectives was off.
0: We we might be, I don't know, we might be working with the same information here. The, the gravekeeper there, he did mention like oh, those... Those damn dirty kids are always coming in here stealing stuff. I assumed yeah. that it was the body because there was a hole in the ground. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, his reaction might not have been severe enough if they had actually dug up a body.
1: Right. So he he, right. he, he the may body have was been gone.
0: he may have been referring to the tombstone, but at the same time, there was a hole in the ground. Whether that was her grave that was dug up or whether it was like something he was digging or something else, that's up for debate. But there was a hole in the ground. For sure. Now, Loomis goes to talk to the sheriff. He wants to warn the sheriff that Michael has come to their little peaceful town. Mm. And we get a really, really cool shot here where the camera is looking right at Loomis but we see Michael drive past in the background, in his station nice, wagon. Yeah. I really, really liked that.
1: Yeah. Well, the movie's been also been really subtle about Michael and his car. Like there was a there's a point where Laurie and Annie are hanging, are like driving, and they have a whole scene where they're driving in the car and they're just like hanging out and talking about. We're not stuff. there yet. We're not and there he's yet. He's
0: just not there yet.
1: Are you sure? Because that's what he drives behind after that.
0: Actually, it's right now. Yeah, go ahead we're there we're actually there (laughs) right now we're there right now
1: (laughs) yeah well he drives behind right after that so uh yeah the car michael myers car is just right behind them the entire time and they don't draw any attention to it at all like the movie doesn't draw any attention to it at all it's just you can see his car and you're like i know what that car is
0: i know what it is it's because the girls were high they didn't they didn't notice him because they were high
1: Well, yeah, but (laughs) that's that's true. I will say we haven't we haven't talked really about Annie and Linda and they're awesome. I think that this three um brings a lot to this movie, just them hanging out and just talking about stuff at school and just talking about what they're gonna do at night. It just really makes me like them and and really um adds something to the movie where I actually care about these characters.
0: That's a great point. Yeah. I I did really like all of them. They were a lot of fun to watch. Really liked them as characters. The the acting, not so great. But yeah, they were a really nice touch to the movie. Really appreciated them. Now, as Michael is tailing Laurie and Annie, I think it's Annie. Yeah. We get this really weird cut where he's right behind them and it's daytime. And then it immediately cuts to nighttime and he's still right behind them. Did you notice that? Yep. Like it was almost like the camera ran out of film and they had to pick it up where they left off. But I don't think that's the case. I think there's a lot of intentional things going on here by Carpenter. And I think this was one of them. As weird as it seemed, I think it was again intentional to build up the whole supernatural or psychological mystery because it doesn't really make sense. You're kind of left questioning. Why did that just happen? But they don't like make Hmm. anything of it in the movie.
1: Yeah, this I would say the the sun was going down like it was the evening, but uh, it's hard to tell time in this movie um, because when Laurie gets home from school, the kids are already trick or treating and then now she's going babysitting. And so the kids are going to be back from trick or treating. But like it's it's very hard. I, I find it very hard to tell what time of night it could possibly be at any point in this movie. Uh, really? Yeah, and well, and I think the, because of that, because of the sort of light and darkness thing that we just jump right into it, and all of a sudden it's just like now it's night, even though we didn't really even cut to night. We were just driving somewhere that obviously isn't very far away.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that part of it was is weird to me, but I always kind of understood where we were at time wise in the movie because when Laurie's at school, you know that that's like part of the school day when she leaves school and she's driving around with her friends, that's like post-school, maybe around supper time. And then when it gets dark, I just assume that's like evening time, like seven or eight o'clock. And then you go from there.
1: I guess, I guess for me, it's just like the trick-or-treating and the parents never being around. It's like, what is like, at what point in the evening is it ever?
0: Hmm. I never had had that problem.
1: Yeah. She's coming home from school and people are trick-or-treating already. Like, I just don't really get the time... Like, what time is it when she's getting home from school? Is it already six o'clock? Like, I just don't really yeah. I don't get that part. Yeah, I,
0: I was okay with that. It, doesn't,
1: it really doesn't matter, but I just never, yeah, I'm never like, when the movie's over, is it like two in the morning or is it like I don't eight know. o'clock at night?
0: Those trick-or-treaters, like you often see the young kids trick-or-treating at like five o'clock, like as soon as, you know, they can get out there, they do. So I, I wasn't really surprised that she was coming home from school and seeing trick-or-treaters that didn't wasn't really a yeah. thing. That, I, I'm, I just think it's interesting that that time kind of was a problem for you in the movie, but it wasn't for me. I just, yeah. I I think that's interesting that the movie was able to create kind of two different like situations for, for the viewers. Yeah. I, th- I just think that's really interesting because I, I never considered that you couldn't, you know, understand the timing. That's neat. Cool. So Loomis and the sheriff take a trip to the old Myers house. They find a dead dog. And Loomis says, Michael got hungry. What? He's eating dogs? Well, the sheriff says, a man wouldn't do that. Loomis says, this isn't a man. I love Loomis. Exactly. I love him. Yeah, Loomis rules. He's the best. He's so great. He's
1: so great. He's... Michael ate a dog. He needs to hug. And he's just trying to, yeah, he's just trying to educate the, the police chief on what's going on here.
0: Yeah. Loomis knows. So Loomis and the sheriff go up to Judith's room, and Loomis is explaining to us that when he met Michael all those years ago, there was nothing left of Michael's mind. He didn't mm. understand good or bad. He had black eyes, the devil's eyes. Oh, no. Loomis knows Michael has been to the house because he's eaten a dog already and he knows he'll probably return. So Loomis wants to hang out and wait for him. So that's what he does. Yep. So Lori's babysitting young Tommy and holy shit, they're watching the thing from another planet.
1: I know, man. This is wild.
0: This is amazing. Like, yeah. Carpenter famously remakes this movie four years after Halloween. And my goodness, I was so happy to see it.
1: It was amazing. It's it's fantastic. I love seeing stuff like this in movies. Um it's because it's because Carpenter's a, a fan of this movie, so he would want to remake it, and that's yeah. why he puts it in his movie. It's just so awesome. It's so awesome to see. It's like I I in um in Nolan's first movie following, they go to like a door and it has like batman stuff on it and you're just like this is such a low budget movie he must love batman and i felt the same thing when i watched this i'm like oh my goodness he just actually
0: loves the thing that's amazing yeah i was i was really really cool especially seeing it for the first time now and being such a huge fan yeah. of the thing um now this is no horse shit jack but today in the mail i received the thing in 4k because i ordered it and it showed up today amazing yeah
1: Dude, Dude, we got to
0: watch that. I'm so excited for that in 4K. It just happens to be not only one of the best horror movies of all time, but in my opinion, just straight up one of the best movies of all time.
1: Yeah, Toss in my opinion, it's one of the one of the best two movies of all time.
0: Oh, well. we. Well, I mean, I already knew your top two. I'm not surprised. Yeah, everybody knows. I'm trying, yeah, to, pl- I'm trying knows. to play it up a little bit here, but yeah, anybody who listens to the podcast pretty much knows your top 10
1: they shed by now
0: yeah so Lori's friend annie gets attacked and killed by michael in her car in one of the worst death performances i've ever seen it really is horrible it was horrible i it
1: kind of doesn't work at all it's it's one of the little things that i when i watch it i kind of am like why was it's such a good scene and then the end is like
0: why did she die like that i like danny in the movie for the reasons that you mentioned but she was yeah. like all around a pretty bad pretty bad actress in the movie she was not like yeah a, a skilled I, actress
1: yeah i think it worked with the character. It, before this point. Um I don't think it really worked here at all, but I really, really like her in the movie. Um but yeah, what is this is bad.
0: It was bad. There was some really good build-up to her death though. Um like yeah I, I was expecting her to get killed far before she eventually did. They did a really good job of just kind of like following her around the house, getting her stuck in weird situations where you think she's gonna die, but she doesn't die. Yeah. She kind of gets out of it. And then um yeah when she finally does die Yeah, it was, you know, a little bit of a surprise because I thought it was going to happen earlier. So that that was pretty good.
1: I think the really cool moment with it is when she goes to the car, checks the door, it's locked. So she's like, ah, keys. And she goes back, gets her keys, comes back and doesn't use them on the door. Just tries the door again and it opens. And so then she sits down in the the seat and she's not really paying attention that doesn't remember that it was locked before.
0: Oh, I didn't pick up on that. And then just get...
1: Yeah, and then just, so they they zoom in on the door handle twice. Once when it's locked and then once when she just opens it up and you're like, oh shit, someone's in there with her for sure. And then someone is in there. It's uh, Mr. Michael Myers. Michael. It's kind of a dick.
0: Young Tommy sees Michael carrying her body and he freaks the fuck out.
1: Tommy freaks the fuck out a lot. Tommy is like pretty annoying.
0: I didn't mind Tommy.
1: Really? I thought Tommy would offend you
0: greatly. So I think I was too scared to be offended by anybody other okay. other than Annie and her death, her death uh, screams there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that Tommy's throwing around the word uh, or the term, the boogeyman. I For li- sure. I liked it. Now, a couple of horned up teens are next to go. Michael clearly doesn't approve of their relationship. And Michael lifts this dude up off the ground by the throat before stabbing him in the stomach and pinning him to the wall. Then he stands there staring at what he just did.
1: Yeah, with like his head kind of turned, like he's just exam- examining it and he's like, huh, interesting. Look at the art I just made on the wall. Um, real creepy, real creepy in this moment. And I do want to say he comes out of that closet super quickly. Like he bolts out of that closet into the choke. So I'm starting to think, he's just really, really patient. He moves super slowly because he's just a very, very patient guy and he moves quickly when he needs to move quickly because he also kind of moved quickly on Annie too for the choke. I think yeah. when he's in sort of kill mode, he's pretty fast right. and very strong because he just lifted Bob up. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is great. This is a, a very intense and a great kill. Um, I do want to say something before we just move on, about the sort of teen horniness stuff. I never really picked up from this movie that it was like, if you have sex, you get killed. I know that is what's happening, but I never really picked up that as sort of the movie telling me that, whereas in like Friday the 13th, I definitely did. Friday the 13th, I felt like, okay, if you're going to be having sex, you're going to be getting murdered. This one was, for me, was more like, they're just not paying attention. And that's why it's working, like, because they're just letting people into their ho- homes, like everyone's just coming over. So the doors are open and everyone's just walking in and they're always thinking someone else is in the house because they have their boyfriends over. So that's what kind of, uh, for me, at least, was going on.
0: Okay, that's cool, because uh, what Carpenter said was this movie wasn't about, like, people who who have sex get killed and attacked. He, he said he was just okay. writing teenagers as teenagers. This is what teenagers do. It, it had nothing to do with him about... That trope of the, you know, it became a trope, right? That the, for sure. But yeah. but the other directors were turning the other movies and other directors. They were the ones turning it into that because that wasn't his plan. So
1: okay, um, good to know because that's that's definitely what I felt with it. It was more just like their kids, and yeah. you know, Lori's like a responsible kid, so that's why she's not really in the trouble that the others are in.
0: Yeah. Now a couple things about that scene. So. I mean, Michael picks him up with one hand by the throat. Mm -hmm. So this this starts to strengthen the idea that there's something supernatural about Michael because you can't physically do that um, as a human being. You can't really pick someone up by the throat like that. That's that's not possible. And the other thing I wanted to touch on with this scene here is that when Michael's staring at the body and he's kind of like tilting his head from side to side, This was the only time that Carpenter asked the actor who played Michael to actually act. So apparently the actor, uh, anytime there was a scene, he would ask Carpenter like, okay, what's my motivation in this scene? And Carpenter's response would always be his motivation is to walk from one side of the room to the other side of the room and act like he's not acting. (laughs) amazing but here this was the one spot where carpenter actually gave him direction and said i want you to kill him and then look at his body and pretend you're looking at butterflies oh interesting and that was that was what he got out of him so i very interesting i also loved that part just because yeah, yeah michael's showing i think what he's showing is like it's almost like curiosity in a way like he's kind of He's tilting his head like he's like, what weird, almost like weird or like, that was an interesting way to kill him. Um, yeah, that, exactly. That kind yeah. Of, that, that's interesting. That worked. You know, he hung, he, I hung him up by the yeah. knife in his belly. It was really, it was really interesting. Definitely a moment I paused yeah. at and said, that's not normal. And I kind of like that they did that in the movie. Totally.
1: Yeah. He. It's almost like he's like, oh yeah, I could do that again. Like yeah. that, that was kind of yeah, cool. That, I liked I that. that. That'd worked. work. I could, I could, I like that. I could do that again. Um, another thing I know I'm talking a lot about this scene, but I just really love it. Um, another thing I noticed when I watched with the headphones is that whenever Michael Myers is actually in the room or is like going to be in the scene you hear his breathing and I didn't really get it all the time when I was just watching it like on my TV but with the headphones it's so loud as soon as Bob is downstairs opening up the fridge I can hear Michael breathing and that is just like so scary it's not just a door opening slightly and some light coming out. I can hear him breathing somewhere. So I'm just like Bob opening up stuff. Like I'm like, oh my goodness, where is he going to be? Where is he going to pop out of? It's so good. It's such a good use of that breathing.
0: Yeah. Now, in an example that Michael actually has a sense of humor, he goes upstairs after killing Bob where the girl is with a sheet over his body while wearing Bob's glasses. Dude, I, I legit laughed out loud at this. It was so funny? Like what the hell is going on here? It is
1: so hilarious. It's one thing if he just put on a sheet and stood in the doorway. It's the glasses. He took, he took Bob's glasses and put them on over top of the sheet.
0: But he cut this he is, cut eye holes out too so he could see.
1: He cut eye holes in the sheet so he could see. He put glasses over the eye holes. He doesn't need them. He doesn't need glasses. Um
0: He's I, having fun.
1: This He's having fun. Like, I am so... He's having fun. He decided he wanted to have fun in this moment. Like, he's doing a bit, right? Like, it's yeah. like
0: he's he's doing he's a joke. He's pretending to be Bob, dressed he's up as a ghost.
1: There's no reason for him to do this. He's never None. done anything like this. No, It's so funny.
0: He's getting into it.
1: He, he almost wins me over here, and then I remember he's a huge dick. But, like, Agreed. in this scene, I'm like... This
0: guy's pretty funny. He's. This is pretty funny. This is a great. This guy's pretty if funny. You were a murderer. This is a pretty funny move right here. P- pretty funny move. Yeah, I
1: know. I want to know like what's going on underneath that sheet. Is he just like this is pretty funny? <laughs> this is really. This is a really funny situation I'm in.
0: Yeah, I think he gets it. He's like, well,
1: oh my goodness, this is fun. I'm gonna have a little he bit of fun. He puts on here. a sheet and puts on Bob's glasses so that he can trick Linda into thinking he's Bob. It's so. It's oh man, it's definitely a scene to laugh at.
0: Yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, anyways, he walks in, um, and uh, kills, kills the girl, and she was on the phone with Lori. And now Lori hears the death screams and is now very worried about her friends.
1: Yeah, she says on the phone, um, if this is a joke, I'm gonna kill you, which uh, already dead. It's not a joke, but it's too late. It's not a joke, and too late. Get in line,
0: Lori. Loomis decides to leave his post at the Myers house and go looking for Michael.
1: Is that after he scared away the kids from the front
0: door? Because that was hilarious also. It was. Yeah. You like that? I thought that was so funny. Why? What was funny about it?
1: He's just hiding in the bush and he just... The kid, they there's a bunch of kids telling tell, tell, saying this kid's name and telling yeah. him to go up and go to the door and he just says i can't remember what the kid's name is but he's just like uh get away from the door from like behind a bush and they run away and he's so pleased with himself yeah <laughs> it's just a really funny loomis scene. he
0: saved he saved their lives
1: there's a lot of comedy happening in the in the end of this movie middle to end of this movie yeah
0: I didn't really get comedy out of that Loomis part. I, I legitimately thought he was trying was to like hilarious. save them. Yeah, like I oh, they're yeah, about for to get sure, into like a he, really like... bad situation, and he uh, he's just trying to like get you know get out of here. He did say it funny. He's just kind of like.
1: But like, why is he hiding from behind a bush and trying to skip? Why didn't he just step I... out and just be like, "Hey, kids, like you need to get away from here"?
0: Yeah, I don't under I don't understand why he wasn't in the house because when yeah. when we left him, he was in the house. Now he's out in the yeah. bush. Um, yeah, that was a bit weird. I don't know. He's like waiting for Michael to walk in the front door. (laughs) Like that's probably not going to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Then that's Halloween. Everyone gets one good scare. Right, Tim?
0: That's right. I was going to say that weird, that weird sheriff shows up right behind him. That sheriff. Exactly. He comes right to the back of your neck and like touches the back of your neck with his nose. And then you get startled and he's all like, oh, whoa, what's wrong with you? A little bit jumpy there.
1: Totally, man. He had one of those guys, one of those guys that, uh, just wants to scare you from behind and then blame it on
0: you. He just likes getting close to people from behind. He
1: gets too close. He gets a little too close.
0: So Lori is on her way over to her friend's house to see what's going on because, because of the death call, the death phone call, all the lights are Mm -hmm. off. The back door is open. So she goes in. She slowly looks around for her friend. She finds no one. She goes upstairs and sees a light behind the door of a room. She goes in to find her friend lying dead on a bed with Mm -hmm. the tombstone of Judith Myers. Yeah. She finds the two other dead bodies and then finds Michael. He tries to kill her, but he misses. That was weird.
1: That was weird. Um, But an incredible reveal of Michael where she backs out out of yes, the room. And he's kind of in the shadows. And back, yeah, she backs. Exactly. She oh, backs into man. sort of a doorway so and he's in the dark room and slowly we can start making out his face just the mask it's so good it's such a good reveal that now that i've watched a bunch of the movies they've used a ton of times and is very effective but it's so scary it's so good so yeah he misses her he has her lined up and he completely misses
0: yeah i think there's something to that as well yeah because he hasn't missed all movie he's a lethal killer he has never missed Uh, but now he's chasing her through the house and Lori is able to escape from the house and she's outside screaming for help. She runs to the neighbor's house and they won't help her. (laughs) They like turn the lights on, look out the window and she's like begging for help. And they're like, oh, sorry, we're not, we're not home. They can turn the lights off and go back to bed.
1: I love it, Tim. I love it because like how many times has someone just been like knocking on your door and you're just like, I'm not getting that shit.
0: I know. That's like that's like modern day, but back in the 70s there, people yeah. answer their door. Their door's not even locked. She could have just opened it up, you know?
1: And she could have for sure. Yeah. No, but I liked it. I, I thought it was good. I thought it was another thing that's like really scary, like trying to tell you something that's really scary about like this good environment that you're in. It's like, but if you actually go to your neighbors for help, they won't be there to help you. You know, they'll be friendly to you during the day and everything. But when you go to them for help, they are going to shut their door and shut off their lights.
0: Mm-hmm. maybe they were just out of candy and they're like oh we got another." they could have been out of candy yeah here. that's
1: true yeah that's, that's very what you true do on halloween when you candy. run out of candy
0: you turn your lights off
1: yeah there's just nobody on the street right now though this isn't this is yeah, sort of just another later, thing that later gets in me the confused evening. yeah it gets me a little confused with the timeline because i was like is there really just nobody trick-or-treating like i guess yeah, this takes late. place over maybe i guess if it takes place over like five hours then i get it
0: it takes place over the whole day
1: yeah it's just it's it. no i know that but i mean like the killing part if the killing part happens over like a bunch of hours then i get it like when 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 michael's killing everyone in the other house it
0: probably takes place over three hours and i think yeah i think so then... how we're able to see that is by the movies that that young girl's I, watching exactly. on the tv because she goes yeah, through a exactly. couple of scary movies i think it's yeah, about a yeah. three-hour period and yeah I, don't.
1: I guess it would have taken Michael like a bunch of time to set up all that stuff in the room, to set up the tombstones, set up all the bodies. Sure. So that makes sense that it would have taken some time.
0: Yeah. So Lori is able to wake up Tommy and he's able to let her into the house. And this is weird. She goes, she gets into the house. She's still obviously scared that Michael's around. She goes and checks the window, sees that the window is open. And instead of closing it, she just curls up in a ball on the floor. Almost like she's just like giving up or something or so scared she can't close the window.
1: Yeah, I I never really got it. And this last time I watched it with the headphones, Michael's breathing is super loud in this moment. So I know he's in the room. So I'm scared as well. So like, I I don't.
0: Was he already in the room or did he come in the window after that?
1: As soon as, no, as soon as she closes the door and like looks at the room, I can hear his breathing immediately.
0: How's he in the room already?
1: I don't know, Tim. Maybe one of those supernatural things.
0: Yeah, I think so. Okay. That's cool. Uh, so she just gives up then, I guess. So Michael tries to attack her again. And once again, he misses. Yeah. And then Lori stabs him in the neck with like a, some sort of like crow pin or something like that yeah
1: like a sewing needle no uh, uh, knitting needle
0: uh, that's not quite enough to stop him though he com- she thought it was though she did yeah he comes after her again though and the second time she's able to stab him in the face with a coat hanger then gets his knife and stabs him with it and that Perfect. is still not enough to stop him that's not the end of the movie No, Michael sits back up. Tommy runs out of the house and Loomis, who's wandering the street, sees that. And then Michael grabs Lori and is choking her. And she pulls off his mask here, which was really cool. I really Mm like that. We get to see his face just for like a fraction of a second. He looked a lot like Bill Hader. Interesting. Yeah, that's what I got from like a very quick reveal interesting it looked like bill Hader. anyways i want to watch it again yeah loomis runs in and shoots michael a bunch of times michael falls off a balcony to the ground below when loomis goes over to look at michael's body michael's body is gone and the end tim how could it be gone he's supernatural dude Yes. He
1: shot him six times. I know you don't know that. It's from the next movie, but uh, it's a classic Loomis quote.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I shot him in the heart. Here's, um, here's a quote from Deborah Hill, the, uh, oh, the cool. co-screenwriter. Yeah. Now she said about Michael, the idea was that you couldn't kill evil. That was how we came about the story. We went back to the old idea of Samhain, that Halloween was the night where all the souls are let out to wreak havoc on the living, and then came up with the story about the most evil kid who ever lived. And when John came up with this fable of a town with a dark secret, and someone who once lived there, and now that evil has come back, that's what made Halloween work.
1: Perfect, man. That's amazing.
0: As I was watching this movie, that's where I felt like I was getting to with yeah. with the, the slow pacing of the way they revealed things, like the way that they showed Michael, then showed him disappearing. Um, Like again, coming at this with a fresh perspective, my understanding of this movie was that Michael Myers was just a person. And I didn't right. know he was going to get like stabbed in this movie. I didn't know he was going to gonna get shot. I just thought he was this character who like murdered people and avoided any sort of damage. I didn't know there was any supernatural level to him. But as I was watching this movie, I started to think, well, they're doing lots of cool things here that leave it up to my imagination. What's going on? And then when we got to the end, I was like, that's really cool that that's kind of what's going on here is that he's not just a normal guy. There's something supernatural going on, and even how Donald Pleasance kept calling him the evil throughout the movie. Yeah, this is not just a person. This is some sort of an evil entity, and I love that.
1: Yep, yeah, I love it. It's one of the things that I just I really, really love about this character is that. Um, he he is like in a in a man's body but he is showing strength that a man can't have he is showing quickness that a man can't have um he is yeah he is, showing resilience that a man can't have and uh i love it he is the boogeyman he is supernatural he is evil he is unkillable you can't kill the boogeyman so that's why these movies can keep going and going and going because they can do whatever the fuck they want in every single movie and he is always going to come back and i'm always going to love it when he comes back um because i I love michael myers being the boogeyman i love it i love that uh, you can't stop him amazing yeah it's fantastic it's great it's uh I love this movie. Perfect movie. Like I just it, one of my favorite movies. Um, I have really enjoyed going through the rest of the series and finding out more about it. Um, it is a franchise with very complicated timelines. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been yeah, it's been super fun. And I man, I, I think I said back on the Friday the 13th episode that like Jason was my killer. And that's probably just because I had seen more of those Friday the 13th movies. But now that I'm just like walking through this thing like i love michael myers so much i'm just so deep into it right now that i can't see liking any other franchise more than halloween right now nice yeah but it's the first one i'm on it's the first horror franchise i'm on of the three so we'll see once i get done everything but right now it's just it's on a high
0: i'm loving it yeah that's cool um i i can't believe loomis didn't get killed I was 100% oh, I certain yeah. watching this movie that Loomis was going to get killed. I was waiting for it. I I was pleasantly surprised they didn't go that route, which was yep. totally fine with me. And obviously they use Loomis further in the franchise um, because you're, I hear you alluding to it. And I like that. Yep. I like that he comes back. But my goodness, if if... You know, 30 minutes into this movie, if I had to choose one character who was for surely going to die, it was going to be right. Loomis. And he didn't die. Yeah. Uh, very yeah. surprising. Good point. Loved it. I really, really like this movie. Uh, I will definitely watch this movie again many times. It's just, there's something yeah. really, really fun about it. It's shot really, really well. The way that they make this town look in fall is so perfect. And this movie was shot in the spring. Yeah. That's amazing. Like leaves are falling. That's all, that's all fake. They had to do all that. It's just like one of the things when I was watching it was I, I just really felt like I was there on Halloween day, Halloween night Yeah, in this kind yeah. of cold town, which is like what our town is like at Halloween. You know, it's cold and leaves are falling. Yeah. And they did. I just thought they did such a good job. Then after the fact, I read that they uh, they shot it in the spring where it was warm, and they had to bring all that stuff in. And right, people were overdressed, yeah. and they fooled me. They completely fooled me. So, I just it's totally. an excellent yeah. job by Carpenter all around. Um, amazing movie. It deserves all the accolades that it gets. Yes, I um, I'm a fool for not having watched it sooner. And I can't wait to watch it again.
1: Yeah, totally. It's you you said it off the top, it was three hundred thousand dollar budget gross seventy million. Like there's a reason. Um this movie is great. It is one that I'm gonna watch many Halloweens over and over. Like I already have, I've already watched it a bunch of times before this. Um love it. Great movie. I love how it ends. I love that it's a Carpenter ending. He seems to just leave these things off. Sort of just like, oh, we did the thing. And now it's like, we don't know. The world's still kind of screwed. I love that they go and look and the body's gone. And it's just... Laurie's crying and like just just this puzzled look on um, Loomis's face it's so good it's such a perfect ending and then the breathing we go through all the rooms of the house and we just hear him breathing and throughout the movie he's been in the room when he's been breathing and we went to every room in the house as the movie's fading out and he's breathing in all of them and I'm like holy shit this sucks man like he's gonna be in one of these rooms he's gonna kill one of them I'm so afraid such a perfect ending
0: love it Dean Thank you for joining. Thanks, Tim. We'll see you next week for another spooky episode. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you next time. That was scary.